We're talking about Jesus calming the storm today. I love the Bible because it hits us right where we're at. The beauty of the word is you can read one passage a hundred different times and it'll hit you different with the wisdom of God. Sometimes it hits you perfectly. Sometimes it's one line here, the emphasis of the word here. But that's why we read it over and over again. It's rich in the manifold wisdom of God, Ephesians says. Uh, hits us from so many angles. And we're going to look at one of the great stories in the Bible about how Jesus will meet us. Mark 4.35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples. So here's the setting. They've been teaching all, he's been teaching all day. He's probably exhausted because we know he goes to sleep on the boat when he gets in. But he says, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So he tells them, get in the boat, and they get in. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Let's pray. Jesus, come by the power of your Holy Spirit and do your work, Lord. Uh, There's so many people with with such vast and varied needs. Uh, Those with trials today, those who have had trials yesterday, those with trials tomorrow, But Jesus, I ask that you'd bring such wisdom that every person would feel like you've met them today. Come and move by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. First point I see here today is big storms will come up in your life. Mark 4, 37, but soon, they get in the boat, soon a fierce storm came up. Now the word in the Greek is not talking about just a big gust of wind or a short storm. little flurry on the lake of wind. Uh, It's talking about a sustained, terrible storm that can bring death. And that's why it says fierce. That's a pretty good translation. A fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill um, the boat with water. And the NIV says to swamp the boat. So these guys are not only in a storm, but they're in the middle of the lake realizing this boat is about to go down and we're going to die. And they get panicky. But one of the things I, can, I, I think we can take out of this is you will have storms in this life. There's, there's, a, there's a false doctrine out there among Christians, and sad to say it's perpetuated by preachers sometimes. But it goes like this. If you live for Jesus and you do everything right, you won't have any trouble and you'll just live a blessed life. Well, I, can, I believe you can live a blessed life. I believe that. But I want you to look at any man and woman of God in the Bible who did anything for God and tell me if they had trials. Jesus Christ went to a cross and died. Jesus Christ was rejected by his family. He never knew any sin. Here's the deal. This is a battlefield that we're on. That's how the Bible talks about our lives. That there's a spiritual warfare that goes on. And not only does the enemy want to take your family out just because he's just evil inherently, but he would like to stop the message of the gospel going forward and the truth of God's law from being shared because it'll set people free, change them, they'll be saved for eternity, and he wants everybody to be destroyed. That's his goal. And so since there's a battle and since we know that the men and women of God in the Bible who were righteous face trials, what you must know is you'll have trials in life too. John 16, 33, these are the words of Jesus Christ. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Those are the words of Jesus Christ to you, to me. And then he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Now we get to this positive side that when we trust in Jesus, no matter what the trial is, we look to him, we do get victory ultimately. 
But the trial is about getting to the victory. And the victory might be here, there, or in the air. And I'm just here to tell you, and I, I, I hope this doesn't sound cocky, but it's something, I'm proclaiming it by faith, even as I say it. But even if I don't see God's answers in this life, when I say here or there, even if I don't see it down the road, in heaven is good enough for me. I'm just, I'm just determined to fight this battle, to love Jesus Christ and do my best, knowing that I'll soon go to a place, someday, where there's no more pain, no more crying, no more tears. And so I'm saying, God, help me when I face trials. I'm saying, God, give me wisdom so I know how to handle this. I'm not saying I don't hurt sometimes. I'm just saying that my resolve is to trust him no matter what, even if I don't see. And so far in life, that has really helped me. I believe he's good and loving. And I believe that he has overcome the world, as that word says. But here's the deal. You won't escape storms in this life, even when you're really good. Isaiah 48 lets us know that, I mean, just talk about why storms come. Sometimes they come because we bring them on ourselves. Let's be honest. We don't follow the truth of the word. We don't listen to it. We don't think it's that important. And Isaiah 48, 18 says, this is God speaking to his children, if only you had paid attention to my commands. Another version says, if only you had listened to me. Your peace would have been like a river. Your righteousness like the waves of the sea. And there's an indication there that the Lord wants good for us, but when we go a path that's contrary to his truth, we are responsible for bad things that come into our lives at times. Now, I, that's not a popular message today, but let me just, because people have itching ears wanting to hear things that are, just make them happy. I want to make you happy. Stay within the bounds of God's word and there's blessing there. Get beyond them and there's pain. There's blessing in that statement. This is not a rule book, it's a love letter to protect us. And God has written it. It's by his finger, by, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that it has been written to protect us because he loves us so much. I think I talk pretty boldly about that because I'm a guy who at one time, though I knew the way of God raised in the church, I was a prodigal who went away and got beyond the boundaries and I got hurt. And you know why I got hurt? Because I did stupid stuff. That's why I got hurt. Because I knew the boundaries and when I crossed them, everything I'd been taught all my life came to bear and I suddenly understand, I understood what my parents had been saying. It's really true, you get hurt when you decide to go your own way and not listen to what God says. And the irony is there are times we say, God, where are you? And God's, God would say to us, where are you? I'm right here. You left me, I didn't leave you. You're the one who wanted to go over there. I'm, I'm trying to protect you, I'm trying to tell you, but you're not listening. Please listen and come back so I can love you, I can bless you, I can give you what I've longed to give you in your life. I remember recently, uh, <clears throat> Karen and I celebrated our 30th anniversary by going to Hawaii. This was just uh, in December. And we were in the, on the island of Kauai. And uh, it's just really a, a cool place. And I, I love to fish, and I, I've never done much deep sea fishing. And, and there, there's not as much tourism. It was a part of the year where the prices were low. And I, I saw some guy pull up in a boat in a gas station. I said, hey, if you were going to fish here, how much would it cost? Who's the guy? And he told me, best price, best guy to go with. And Karen was kind enough to say to me, do it, I, th I think it'd be fun for you. So 
I woke up early in the morning. You know, I don't know what the deal with fishing is, but you got to get up early if you're going to catch them. And, and, and it's one of the only times I like to get up early because there's anticipation. And I, I got up early. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a night person. My, if I get up early, my bed's like Velcro uh, in, in the morning. But I force myself, but, but I don't like it. And, and, and I want to stay up late. That's what I want to do. That's my brain works best, 2 a.m. Uh, I, I don't stay up there, but it's just where I like. And, and when I write, I'll, I'll do that sometimes. I don't know why I'm telling you all that, because <laughs> it's totally irrelevant. Um, but so I, I'm going fishing. Just before I leave, Karen says, oh, you know, you, you, can, you have motion sickness at times. You should stop and get some Dramamine. I said, oh, I don't, I don't have time. That's some medication you get at a store to keep you from getting sick, right? I said, I don't have time, I'm just going to go. She goes, well, what if you get sick? And I said, kind of cocky almost, well, I guess I'll just throw up then. You know, just throw up and that'll be that. So I rushed there and got to the boat and was right on time and we went out and in 10 minutes, something started to happen. We're in a 21-foot boat, which isn't that big, and the swells there normally are 7 to 10 feet, I guess, which means that there are times that the only thing you can see is sky, that, that you know, you just go down in and... And I'm thinking positive, all right? I'm not going to get sick. I'm just, I'm just you know, I'm going to be okay. And my brain is saying that, but my stomach is not. And pretty soon I start to realize, oh, man, I'm getting sick. 20 minutes in, uh, we, we latch onto some fish. We just come into them. And I pull one in, and I'm sick. I'm feeling bad when I'm pulling it in. I'm not even having that much fun. We get that fish in, and shortly after, I lean over the side of that boat and spew. I mean... <laughs> the technicolor yawn. I could not believe that much force was coming from my own body, you know. I'm leaning over the boat, and, and the skipper's making sure nothing gets in the boat, you know. And, and then I think, okay, I feel better. For a second, I sat down, and it did not go away. For the next two hours, I threw up over the side of that boat. The worst moment was, was when I realized we had three hours left, and there were a bunch of people on this boat, and I was so sick, and we weren't going to get to shore. I don't remember how many fish I caught because I would throw the pole and try to catch and I was losing and catching and finally I had to lay down in that boat and, and, and the only way I could get relief, it was weird, was to arch my stomach or my back and lay flat. And, and, and so I was laying back and my belly was showing and I didn't even care, you know. <laughs> just, I was so stinking sick. It's the only way I could get relief that I just said forget it, you know. And and, and then I would throw up again and again, and I, I, I don't know how there was anything left. I think I know why they're yellowfin tuna now, because whatever it was stayed that color for a long season as I was, as I was going there. And, and, and I, I remember the, the skipper started to make fun of me. He said, well, we're just a team here. We're catching fish, and you're chumming them. Way to go, buddy. And I'm thinking, <laughs> it wasn't really that funny, you know. Paid good money to hear that stupid joke, you know. But I can't tell you how sick I was. And then, then I'm thinking, I should, have, I should have got the Dramamine. I should have stopped. And about that time, I'm laying there, and there's, there's a covering that some of them are in as the boat is moving. We hit a big wave, and the skipper says, hold on. And you know, I'm just sprawled out in the back. The, wi the wave from the front goes all over the top and right down on me. I'm the only one laying out there. <laughs> Boom, the wave, the wave just covers me. And these guys in the boat are just kind of... <laughs> This guy, you know I, know, I know I was the talk when they got back to the barbecue that night, you know. But I, I didn't even care. I sat up and thought, I got wet. Who cares? I'm sick. You know, and I, I laid back down. And when I got to the shore, I, I can't tell you how wonderful it was to see the ground. I didn't kiss it. 
but, but that's because I thought I would throw up if I bent over. And if I would have listened to her, she gave me good advice and wisdom. She knew what I'd been through before and that I can struggle. I wouldn't have had to go through that struggle. And when it comes to wisdom, I'm just telling you, there's no better wisdom than the wisdom that's in this word. There's no better guidance that you'll ever have. And we can say, I'm in too much of a hurry to obey, or really, it's not that big a deal, or that's not for me, or even God loves me anyway, which is probably, I'll say it is true. He loves you anyway. But what you can't get away from is that if you get beyond the boundaries, you're going to get sick or hurt. And I mean spiritual now. I'm not talking physical, but spiritually. Trouble can come your way because you just decided, I don't want to pay attention to that. So that's why storms come at times. And I just think we need to be honest and get real. I got suspended at a Christian college, and here's the deal. I deserved it. I signed something that said I wouldn't do what I did. And so... Unlike many in life, I decided not to blame my problems on everybody else and just say, you know what, I know what I've done and I know what to do and I decided I want to serve Jesus. I'm going to do it. And I made a a U-turn and started serving Jesus with my whole heart and my life has been blessed ever since. Now, I've had trials because I just told you everybody does, but I've had the hand of Jesus helping me through everything I go through. I've had his guidance and wisdom and we've been headed somewhere that had purpose instead of pain without purpose. The only purpose was I was dumb and did the wrong thing. And I think it's time for people to step up in their lives and say, this isn't everybody else's fault, it's my fault. Because I'm the one not following. I'm the one not doing what the word says. I'm the one who's chosen to go this route. And unfortunately, others hurt, right? When, when I sinned, not only did I hurt myself, but I, but I brought some shame to my family. My dad, a preacher. And, and he loved me and was great to me. And my mom loved me anyway. But I just realized, I'm causing a lot of people pain. And I made a U-turn, and the Lord's blessed it ever since. And I've been serving the Lord now for, for nearly 30 years. Actually, over 30 years since that time. And then there are times like this in the, in the Bible. I wanted to say that because I think it's important. If, you, know, you, can, you can bring some storms in your, in your own life because you're not obedient. And you can be. The Lord will help you. He, he loves you. He'll forgive you. And he'll, he'll help you like he did me. But then there are other times where um, the storm's not your fault at all. Did you know Jesus calls us into storms at, time, at times? Look what the word says. This is interesting. Remember, this is God in the boat with him. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. He told them to get in this boat. They're going out into the lake. Now listen. He has all knowledge, so he knows there's going to be a storm on that lake. He also knows no one's going to die. That's why he can go to sleep, right? Because he's he's not worried. He has all this wisdom, and he ends up sleeping in the boat, and it freaks him out. But he called them into a storm. Here's what I want you to know about a storm that Jesus would call you into. He has purpose. If he calls you into something... It's not just to bring you pain. It's to build you up and strengthen you and show something of his glory as time goes on. This book that I want to read to you from is All Quiet on the Western Front. Maybe some of you have read that, you literary geniuses out there. But about 10 years after World War I, this German writer, Eric Remarque, wrote this book. 
And he describes the training that they had on the Western Front. Now, this is from a German soldier's perspective. I'm quoting from the book. With full pack and rifle, I had to practice on a soft, wet, newly plowed field. And then we would hear the command, prepare to advance. And we would advance. And then lie down, and we'd lie down. Over and over they did this to us until we became one lump of mud and finally collapsed in exhaustion. And it was training. Quoting again, I have stood at attention in a hard frost without gloves for a quarter of an hour to stretch while our commander watched for the slightest movement of our bare fingers on the steel barrel of the rifle. Freezing cold and they couldn't move as they held that barrel or they'd be punished or disciplined. All that in training later in the book he gave these telling comments. Had we gone into the trenches without this period of training most of us would certainly have gone mad. Only thus were we prepared for what awaited us. We did not break down, but endured. We too need to be strengthened for what God has before us in the future. We too are saying, Lord, use our lives. And sometimes, you you know, what kind of witness is it if you're an author and you write one book and you release it and in a week a major publisher picks it up? And, and then uh, you get a million dollar bonus and then it goes into circulation and within the first few months you sell millions of copies. Who's really going to be blessed by that? Did you know Max Lucado made, who's the, probably the most prolific Christian author uh, in America? Uh, and, and, and some of you, how many have read a Max Lucado book? Raise your hand. Okay, look at that, most, most everyone. If you haven't read it, read it. He has, uh, read something from him because he's got great insight on the word. He's a pastor and a writer and just a wonderful man of God. His first 11 submissions, he was rejected by publishers who didn't think he had what it took. Now, I'm gonna tell you something. If you feel that you're called to write and you're called to give glory to God through writing and you get rejected 11 straight times, it'd be a pretty good temptation to quit. And and, and you may not realize this if you haven't been into writing or, or the arts, but rejection hurts. And it's a storm. And you might be tempted to quit. But isn't it a great testimony today that Max Lucado didn't quit? I mean, think of this. You're writing the best part of your story now if you're in a trial. How about that? Because Jesus is gonna win. And if you trust in him, he's gonna show that he brought you through and it's gonna be a testimony to other people the way it was to these guys. Here it is in the word, Romans 5, 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they are good for us. I want you to just think about that. Trials are good for us, the Bible says. Why? Because they help us to learn to be patient. And patience develops strength. See, it's the strength of God. And character It develops character in us and helps us trust God more each time. Each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. He's building us up. Then when that happens, we're able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well for we know how dearly God loves us. That right there is the key to overcoming every trial. 
knowing how dearly God loves you. And we feel his warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This is not my, my, my notes, um, but I shared it in the first service and I, I feel like I should share it now. I, I don't want to act like I know why you're going through what you go through. I don't even know why I'm going through what I go through most, most of the time. I do know the answer is Jesus, no matter what you're going through. And I know that from all the testimonies I've heard over and over again. People who hold to him become shining lights for him and great blessing comes to their life. My parents um, lost their first child in a fire when he was 22 months old. I never knew him. My brother was rescued from that fire by a neighbor who, when the fireman wouldn't go in, she busted through to his bedroom and got him. He was in first service this morning. I, I bear her husband's middle name, and I, I, I'm proud of that, though, though I'm not really fond of the name. It's Earl. I think it sounds a lot like a seal. Earl, 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 but uh, anyway... <laughs> But, but because of the story, I'm proud of it. So, so my parents, um, I'm, I mean, can't think of a, of a greater pain than, than losing your child. I, I, can't, I just can't imagine one. And I remember my dad saying to me, Years later, he didn't talk about it, saying to me at the funeral, that little casket up there, he wanted to run down there, take his son and run out the door and keep running and just hold him. He told me, I think I almost went crazy. And yet through the years, God met them and helped them. And though they don't understand and we don't understand, they trusted God. And I'll just tell you, I was, I was raised by loving parents who could have given up, but they didn't. And I'm glad they didn't because they really blessed me. But then some amazing things would happen through the years. When someone would lose a child, mom and dad would quietly go to them. And when they talk to them, it's way different than everybody else talking to them. And the Bible says that, that we can comfort those with the comfort we've received. And, and I'm so glad my parents decided to receive the comfort of God because if they didn't, they wouldn't have been able to minister to that couple and that couple and that couple. I'm not gonna say I'm glad it happened because I'm not, and I, and I don't completely understand. But I am going to say, my mom and dad have been awesome to those couples. They just ushered the love of God into that room when they would pray. And I know that they have given the same comfort that they received. And if Jesus calls you into a storm... There's some purpose. 
That's beyond what we can know. And we may not know till we get to heaven. I, I like this. I read it earlier this week. The ABCs of spiritual growth. And here, here it is. Adversity builds character. ABC. God's word. You can look up James 1, 2 through 4. And you can see that as well. The real question for every human being is this. Do you want to navigate the streams or the storms of life all by yourself or do you want the Prince of Peace in the boat with you? Because sometimes these trials are hard but it, it is unimaginable the pain without Jesus helping. So I just, I just can't fathom it. It's way better to go through the storm with him than without him. And here's what I want to say to some of you today. Just hold on. Just don't quit. Keep looking to Jesus and before long, you'll come out. When I was sick on that boat, it felt like eternity. But when I hit the shore, it was a great moment. And it came. And it'll come for you too. Hold on. And then second point today, Jesus can speak to the storm and stop it. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat, Mark 4, 38, with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke up shout, the disciples woke him up rather, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? It's funny because they didn't wake him up and say, Jesus, stop the storm. It didn't even enter their mind. They just thought, What's the matter with you? Don't you realize how bad this is? Get up and scream with us. Then Jesus woke up, he rebuked the winds, the wind rather, and said to the waves, silence, be still. Another version might be more of a blessing to you today that that says, peace, be still, Jesus said. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Notice Jesus was asleep because he's not worried. He called them into the storm, he knew the purpose, he knew it was going to turn out okay, but our struggle is with fear in the middle of it, right? Hey man, I'm human and I'm with you. I have fear at times that I have to overcome. What's the fear? The fear is it's not gonna work out. The fear is thinking the worst. And in those moments, we just have to say, Jesus, help me with my fear, right? We can just be honest. It's not, you say, well, speak by faith. Hey, I'm by faith saying Jesus is, his his ability and power is much greater than mine. Jesus, help me. That's where the power lies, is in Jesus. He knows they're not going to die. He knows this story will end like this. That that, that that moment would become an encouragement to billions throughout time as they read the holy scriptures and the story was retold. Their storm is blessing us today. I want to encourage you to know that right now, Jesus is with you. You may feel like he's asleep in the boat. It's an old song sang by the Hawkins family, African-American group that just are awesome. And the song goes like this, he's not always there when you want him, but he's always right on time. And right at the right time, according to his perfect will, he stood up and he said, peace be still. That boat was full of water. It was swamped. 
they were overwhelmed. Have you ever felt like it's just too much? Right, honestly? I mean, I have. Kind of embarrassing that I have because some of you have much greater trials than me, but at times I feel like it's too much. But I just want to encourage you that when you have those moments to just get away from everybody and everything, go to a, the Bible calls it a prayer closet. Get in there all by yourself, turn the lights off and just talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you right now. Just tell him, Jesus, I don't get it. But I trust you and you're good and you're loving. Help me through this. And he shows up. Maybe at times that overwhelming, overwhelming feeling comes from divorce or death or loss of a job or estrangement from your child and that fear seizes you. I, I, I really wish you could see the difference between men and women and God, humans and God because people will fail you but God never will. Sometimes when people fail us, we we blame God, but God's never, ever failed you and he never will. People do. That's why I don't want you to look to your spouse for that kind of strength because they can't give it to you. They can't be God to you. You can make them your God, but you've chosen a God that's limited in their ability, who can't meet all your needs. But if you choose Jesus and you trust in him, The irony is you become the the best spouse you can be and your marriage becomes the best it can be when you put him first. Because he leads and guides you to love one another and be tender with one another and kind and forgive. His word's just awesome when we follow him. Whatever your storm, Jesus cares and you're a believer, he's with you. Maybe you don't, maybe you feel like he's asleep, but he is with you and he will Stand up at the right time and meet you and help you. They were shouting and upset and saying, we're dying, at least you could do is be upset with us. But he got up and said, I can do better than that. Winds and waves, stop. We see that they're pretty much amazed Because when you stop the elements, then you're the creator. Right? Humans can do a lot of good things. They can't make the winds and waves stop when they speak. They realize this is God. Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep your trust in him because he's there for you. I like this story. It's a true story about uh, a tribe of Native, Native Americans written in a book called Soul Salsa. One word, Soul Salsa by, by Leonard Sweet. I'm, I have a lot of Indian in me so, so I, I like Indian stuff. And... Um, Here's the story from Sweet's book. One tribe of Native Americans had a unique practice for training young braves. 
On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, he was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the security of his family and his tribe, but on this night, he was blindfolded and taken miles away. When they took off that blindfold, he was in the middle of a thick, dark woods, the forest, all by himself, all night long. And Leonard Sweet says in his book, every time a twig snapped, he probably visualized a wild animal ready to pounce. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a wolf leaping out of the darkness. Every time the wind blew, he wondered what more sinister sound it masked. No doubt it was a terrifying night for the young brave. And then he says, after what seemed like an eternity, the first ray of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. Looking around, the boy saw flowers and trees and the outline of the path. Then to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and arrow. It was the boy's father. He had been there all night long. And I, I, I like that story because I, I, I want it to provoke this thought that you may not see him, you may not feel like you hear him, you may feel like he's not in the boat, but he is nearby. And he is for you. And he is watching over you. And he will help you. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So the way to deal with your storm, where do I go from here? Just do these three things. You can write them down quick. I don't have them on the overhead for you or in your notes. A, trust in Jesus. Just keep trusting even, even though you don't get it. B, ask him to give you peace. Go to him and say, ask for his peace. Get in that prayer closet. And C, Ask for wisdom and direction. You know why fear comes? Because when we're in the middle of a trial, we see where we need to go and it's so far away, we can't imagine it. And if we think about the end where we need to be, it just seems too vast. But here's, Jesus not often gives us the the answer or, or hops us right to the end in a trial. What he'll do is light up the next step in front of you as you, as you seek him. And that's the way out of that dark forest. He'll light up a, it's just one step, it's here. I don't don't know how to get all the way, but I can get here, right? And then as you seek him, he'll say here, and then he'll say over here, and pretty soon we're closer and closer and we see light and we come out because we follow the Father and we trust in him. Third point today, we must overcome fear with faith. You know, I asked the Lord if I could share with you a story where I've, I've had some fear, and I felt like the Lord said, not yet. Sometimes he tells me to share things I don't want to share, and sometimes he tells me not to share what I want to share. But I, but I, I can tell you this. Um, there have been some things that I've struggled uh, with when it comes to fear. Because that's common to man, right? And... Um, so, so I don't stand up here as a guy who's, you, you, you know, I, I hope I'm a man of faith and power, but, but, but the faith is in God, not in myself, you know. Mark 4.40 says this, then he asks him, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, if he says that to the apostles, I just, I just, this is not a rebuke, but just a thought. If he says to the apostles, who are probably more spiritual than us, you still have no faith? Don't you think there'd be times that he'd speak directly 
because he's loving, right? But that's pretty direct. To you and to me and say, you still have no faith after everything I've done? He has to say that to me every now and then. And I say, that's right, because these guys saw the healings, right? I mean, think of it. They're out there with the winds and the waves thinking they're gonna die. They've seen all kinds of miracles he's performed, including people being raised from the dead. They've heard his teaching. They're enamored by him. They're thinking he's the Messiah, and yet the fear rises up and they have no faith after everything that's been poured into them. Isn't that us sometimes? Let's just be honest. They were afraid. And Jesus was saying, you, you can still trust in me even though the elements around you are intense. Trust me. Have faith in me. I know that when we cry out by faith, the Lord meets us. Um, a few years ago, I was hunting and um, I just want you to know that whenever I go hunting, Bambi is safe. I ne- I've never gotten one shot off after being out there 20 or 30 times. Um, everybody's a great white hunter till I go with them and then they get nothing. I, I, think it's, I think it's me. But I went hunting and we're up in the coastal range in the mountains here in Oregon and we're hunting elk and I'm in a Tahoe that I owned at the time along with my dad. And we drive... On, up this road and down a dirt road and when we get to the end of that dirt road where you park and walk into this one region there there's a car there well one of the rules if you're hunting is if somebody else has taken a path don't go down the same path because it could be dangerous right because people are shooting guns so I go to back out and as I'm backing out it's a rainy day up on that mountain there's erosion going on and as I back out I, I, I actually was way far away now here's the scenario there is, it's not quite a cliff, but it's about as steep as you can get without being a cliff. It's about 150 feet or 200 feet down. And 150 feet from where this road is is a white cross we saw on the way in, which means somebody had gone down there and died before, fallen down that ravine. And so I'm backing out. I'm very aware that we're near there, so I try to go to the far side. And as I go up in my four-wheel drive, we hit mud that is so slick, I've never experienced anything like it before. And we start to slide. And I'm tempted to hit the brake, but I think if I hit the brake, it'll just thing, throw this thing in a tailspin and we'll go down. And, and it just keeps moving. I mean, it was weird. It's just like a dream, just slipping and slipping. And we're thinking, why aren't we catching? And then we start to go over the side. And I told my dad, hold on, we're going over. And I'm looking down, and my dad would say, it's like a cow's face. He's from Oklahoma. It's that steep. And thinking we're just about to make the first turn. And I'm, I'm already praying and saying, Jesus, help! It was just that quick, right? And all of a sudden, I'm not kidding, that car goes like this and tilts like this. And we catch right at the top. And we don't go down. Now we're sitting there thinking, are we going to go? Are we going to go? And we're saying, don't move, don't move, because any shift of weight, I mean, it's like a movie, you know? And... and so dad says, I'm getting out of here. And I'm thinking, yeah, me too. But thinking, I, you know, I'm on the downhill side. So dad starts to climb out. And we're, it's so steep that he stands up straight on the seat out the window. So it's tilted this much, he stands straight up. And he's starting to get out. And I go, whoa, 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 wait, 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 don't get out. If you get out, it might go down. I said, just hold on, dad. And just a moment, 
There was nobody that, would, that we could see anywhere. In just a moment, there were, there were hunters all around us. I mean, I just feel like God was with us, you know. And these, these, these hunters, man, they're courageous people, really. And, and, and they show up and they've got straps and they're talking. And, and, and my brother somehow had come down that road. He was in another vehicle. And they saw us. Within 30 seconds of us being there, they were there. And he jumps out and I said, Lauren, open that back door and put your weight on it and hold on to it. So precariously, he opened it and grabbed that and just hunkered down. And I said, now get out, Dad. And Dad got out. And I said, hold on, Lauren. And I'm thinking, oh, man, if I start to move, maybe this thing will go down. It was just so close there. And I thought I could go slow or go fast. And I thought, fast sounds better. So I, <laughs> I undid that seatbelt. I got my feet in position. And I just darted and jumped out that window. And we were out and we were alive. And I was just saying, thank you, Jesus, we're alive. And these hunters start hooking up straps and they're starting to move. And now we've got the vehicle. To this day, I don't know why that thing didn't go down. If you're looking at that truck, you'd be amazed and think, it should be going over. And they put a strap on the front and they started to pull it. And then the back was going down the hill a little further. And I said, stop. And then one of the hunters got on the bottom side of the truck to hold it. And I said, get out of there. What are you doing? And they moved out. And then leadership took over. I talked to you about the gift of leadership, and I just said, okay, everybody listen. This is my truck. I don't want anybody hurt. If we lose it, it's going to be my fault. Put a strap on the front and a strap on the back, and when I say go, we're going to pull it out from both ends. If we lose it, we lose it. It's not your fault. It's mine. And so they did it, made the call. That truck, it was so slick, just came right up out of there and sat up there and didn't have a dent or, or any damage done to it underneath. I am telling you, God met us there that day, and, and I stood there on the bank thinking, I almost died today. I remember driving in that night to the house when it was dark, seeing it all lit up and knowing my family was in there and thinking, I almost didn't get to live today. It's almost over for me. But in that moment, I'm going to give him credit. When I cried out, I feel like somehow he held that truck there. Somehow he helped us. And I believe if you cry out to him, he'll help you. The stories are never the same and the answer's never the same and the solution's never the same when it comes to our problems because they're so vast and varied, right? But the bottom line is cry out to Jesus. Have faith in him. Overcome your fear by speaking things of faith. Every now and then, I just have to say stuff like this because I, my, <laughs> I don't want to blame her, but my mom's a worrier. And, and I, I think I picked it up. You know, and, and you can start to talk and say, oh man, if that hadn't happened, and what if this, and oh man, and Karen can vouch for you. You, you know, I'm really great in front of you guys, but there are times that I that I'm just get potty mouth in the sense of, you know, saying all the negative. And I just have to catch myself. Karen slaps me. And, and, uh, <laughs> but, and it's not really, but, but um, she did tell me once, man, I wonder what you'd be like if there really was a problem. So she's just full of mercy and, uh, <clears throat> I was going to tell you earlier, uh, years ago, uh, Karen was in Sherwood and um, someone walked up to her and said, are you, are you the pastor's wife at Horizon? She said, well, yes, I am. She said, I thought I recognized the back of your head. I just thought that was... 
I love that story. That's happened to her twice where they recognize the back of her head. Thank God for her. But, but I have to catch myself and start speaking these words. You know, the Bible says, whatever's good and excellent and praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And remind myself, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are for me. Lord, you love us. And maybe it's a loved one going through trial. Lord, you love them. I know you're with them. And when I start to speak things of faith, somehow it, 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 it ushers faith into my heart as his presence meets me. And I have to say it when bad things have already happened, right? Not saying a good thing happens and so it, all, bad things happen and I still hold on to him and I have to and so do you. And that faith will drive the fear away as he meets us. Here in this storm, they're afraid and Jesus delivers them. They didn't know that this story was going to be an awesome teaching of faith. They didn't know that when they were in the middle of that lake. They didn't know that God was allowing their trouble to show others how powerful he is. They couldn't see it at the time. To them, it was the end. But they learned that day that it wasn't the end that Jesus gave them a beginning of sorts. Sometimes it's the beginning of a new and wonderful season. Oftentimes that storm becomes the best part of your story and his deliverance. And I'll tell you this, I believe that these guys, even though they didn't have enough faith, I believe when they came out of it, their faith was strengthened. And so maybe you haven't had enough faith at times, like me, to, to, uh, you know, to, to really just you know, be God's woman of faith and power or man of faith and power. Maybe you haven't, but you've trusted. See, what I find is I feel like I've trusted most of the time, but sometimes they don't have faith. They're not quite the same. But even when you trust him, he'll bring you through and you get on the other side and you think, man, he was there all the time and I didn't think he was. I see what he was doing now. I didn't get it. I wish I'd trusted in those moments or had faith rather in those moments. And even when I haven't had faith, I come on the other side and I see him deliver and it strengthens my faith because I remember. Oh yeah, you did it. Over and over and over again, you've done it in my life, in the lives of those around me. Psalm 37, 5, and I close with this. Trust, or rather commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you.